Tom Bernard Show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Andy Brandt Bernard, Cassie Schrader. L.A. Nick will not be here because we have he has what severe traffic. There's a huge crash. Huge crash. People are dead. It's horrible. People are dead. People are dead on the highway. Oh my God. Yeah. Where was that? Up somewhere on 94. That stretch between Minneapolis and St. Cloud. Rogers. Rogers. I'll have to look it up. That's always been really dangerous there. Well, they did a lot of improvements, but like I said, the problem is is they won't keep those trucks out of all the lanes. And, yep, that was two semis that hit each other. Yep. All right, we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, and working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. This is a song that always plays when Cassie gets stiffed out of money. Who <laughs> stiffed you out of money? No one. Rod oh. Stewart. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. What happens since he canceled? Well, I, I'm, it got rescheduled for October 13th. It's a Sunday night. Okay. So I'm assuming that they'll just... So if you can't go, do they give you your money back? I I'm, I'm hoping. I think we're able to go. It's going to be tight because Dave has to be at a casino in Minoman, Minnesota, I believe. That weekend, Norman. It's like north of north of north. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I think it's slightly north of Alexandria. Oh, okay. so it's it's a good four and a half hour drive. Yeah. Oh. So, um, yeah, I don't. I don't know that he'll be coming back that morning, but yeah, I don't know if he's going to be up to going to a concert that night. But 
you know, it just sucks because we had people, um, we were going as a group and uh, going out to dinner and all that. So all those plans got canceled. Yeah, so. that's too bad. But I get to be at my son's first football game of the season. So, oh, well, always a silver lining. Yes, yes. Good. The kids were bummed I wasn't going to be able to coach the first game, but um, plans have changed and I will be there. Good. So there you have it. Rod Stewart and Cindy Lauper canceled for tonight at DXL because Rod Stewart has strep throat. That's what he says. Mm. I, I, I think hmm. he's had like strep throat a couple times. I mean, get your tonsils out, man. <laughs> Would you ever hear him sing? He sounds like he's got strep throat all the time. <laughs> he's got I a mean, unique voice, that's does, for yeah. sure. I mean, that's I love true. Rod Stewart, but he's got raspy. a weird sound, a very raspy voice. Uh, L.A. Nick is not here today because there's been a huge crash up near Rogers, Minnesota on I-94 in Brockton Lane. Uh, that's pretty, it's within a few miles of where L.A. Nick lives, so you can't, they've shut down, what did you say, from, from... It said 101, Highway 101 to 610, which is, what, what is that? That's like six miles. That's five, about six, six miles. Five, six yeah, miles, and that's, yeah. Yeah. that's hitting the, um... Anoka-Blaine area, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of up that way. Yeah. Yeah, 610 goes, yeah, it, that goes north and then goes, uh, ends mm-hmm. up going east into Minneapolis. And St. Paul. And St. Paul. Yeah, but, yeah it, I, I guess it's really bad. It's it's sad because um, they've done a lot to try to keep that area better. Because Remember, they were having, oh, all, there were all these semis that were always crossing the whole yep. median and hitting uh, oncoming traffic because <clears throat> they were falling asleep at the wheel. Yep. And then they ended up putting up those those guard things that look like just wires. That were keep, yeah. Yeah, that was supposed to keep the semis from getting into oncoming traffic. And I thought that that helped for a long time, but I guess there's only so much you can do. Well, I guess. And I think they had the same issue with, um, was it 212 going out, um, or was it Highway 12? It's kind of out by where Bob. That's was. Highway 12, yeah. Is that 12? Yeah, because I mm-hmm. guess there was constantly, I mean, like, you know, fatal accidents oh, yeah. on that highway, too. And they've had to do a lot to restructure it so it wasn't so dangerous. Right. Well, you know, you've got, like I said, you've got a lot of problems up in that area because people are going out to their cabins, they're coming home, people are going 80, 90 miles an hour. You've got semis. All over the place. You can't see anything. And I've never, I haven't seen a cop pull anybody over there in years. That's true. For speeding. So, so far, two people dead, or how many people are dead? I think there's two for two. sure. God, unbelievable. There was, a, Nick sent me a, a screenshot of the accident, and there was a helicopter there. So, oh, yeah. So hopefully they're taking some people in. I'm hoping so, but yeah, L.A. Nick will not be in because that, the roads around his house are completely shut down, and unfortunately, two people have lost their lives, it sounds like, because one semi crossed over into the lane of another one and caused a huge crash, so it's just horrible. I know, it's really sad. To lighten things up, Netflix has become a major competition, or major competition for cable and other streaming networks. And that's in part thanks to the quality content the subscription service delivers. And while it's sad to see certain shows go away, the streaming service wouldn't have room for new shows. Netflix plans to release 700 new shows and movies by the end of 2018 alone if it didn't axe others along the way. Uh, Since launching in 2007, Netflix has canceled some of its original programs for a variety of reasons. Here are the shows that have left Netflix or will leave soon. 
Be sure to stream the ones you can before they're gone for good. Yeah, that would be good. Marco Polo has been canceled. What is that? Uh, I think that's a show. Oh, my God. It cost them $180 million, Ooh. and they canceled it. Yikes. That's a bit uncomfortable. Well, we haven't heard of it, so. No. <laughs> Maybe that's I am assuming it's about Marco Polo. Here's Marco. Marco. Another... Another uh, show I've never heard of, Seven Seconds in April. Netflix canceled Seven Seconds, the show revolving around the death of a teenage African-American boy after just one season. But it seems as though this was meant to be a standalone season from the beginning anyway. So it wasn't necessarily canceled. It just ended. So, you know, I'd never even heard of that, though. No, me neither. The Get Down. Never heard of this either. The Hip Hop Musical. Well, I guess that's why I've never heard of them. They're not aimed at me. The hip-hop musicals unfortunately met with uh, production delays from the very beginning. That coupled with a large budget probably has a lot to do with why the show was canceled after just one season. The get-down. Boy, I, I just, I'm really going to miss hip-hop on television. It's, it's really unfortunate because I'm such a huge uh, fan. He lied. Hemlock Grove came to an end after three seasons in 2015. Thankfully for the fans, the show's creators knew going in that the third season would be their final season, so they were able to deliver it for fans. I think I watched one of those. I can't, I'm not sure. Bloodline got canceled, Catherine. Bloodline? I didn't even know it was still on. That's nice. How many seasons was that? Uh, we two. saw two. And then it's Yeah, we sucked. got bored. Yeah, we got really well, bored. It, it didn't started, move along. No, it's horrible. Yeah, I, I think I watched... Like two episodes of the second season, and I'm like, the yeah, it's terrible. I know they just never got on with anything. No. Move on, move along. Yeah, they need to develop stories. I, to me, you still need stories. Yeah, you do. Bloodline will end after its third and final season, but according to Netflix president of content Cindy Holland, the show had a great run. Bloodline season three will be the show's final season. She said in a statement released of Variety together with our collaborative partners at Sony Pictures Television, they created a seductive show that Netflix viewers worldwide love and continue to discover. Well, it's so they love it so much you're canceling it. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Yeah, you know what I might do is I might watch like the last three episodes just to see what finally happened. Yeah. <laughs> if anything happened. We're hoping something I'm sure happened. you can fill in the blanks. Yeah, exactly. Haters Back Off. I've never even heard of that. The show created by YouTuber Miranda Sings may have been canceled after two seasons on Netflix, but considering the YouTube channel has over 5 million followers, there's a chance fans could see the show live on in, uh, in, in some capacity on YouTube in the future. Is YouTube going to end up with all the television? Is that what's going to happen? Well, Maybe. The bad television that's marketed toward people with no money. Yeah, well, there is that. The Killing has had an interesting lifespan. It first existed as an AMC production. It was previously canceled Killing. twice. Then Netflix continued to create new episodes when it took ownership of the series. Then the show was ended in the way it was meant to be before leaving Netflix. Showrunner Vina Sood told the uh, week, after coming back from the dead twice, it absolutely feels like a victory lap. Uh, the show was unwatchable. I remember trying to watch it. It was terrible. What was it about? I don't even know. Uh, it's like cops and killing. I don't know. It's cops and killing. Boring. <laughs> uh, Lillehammer. I liked Lillehammer, actually, because it was uh, Oh, Steven. yeah, that was a weird little, little show. It was, yeah. I liked it, too. Back in 2005, Netflix canceled Lillehammer, which starred Stephen Van Zandt as a mob boss who relocates to Norway after flipping <laughs> on his crew. It was pretty funny. It was. I, I enjoyed that show. That was a good show. 
Uh, Netflix presents the characters. I've never even heard of that either. The sketch comedy. Oh, it's a sketch comedy series. No wonder I've never heard of it. I hate sketch comedy unless it's done really well, and most of it is not done very well at all. Atelier, is that how you say this? Atelier or Atelier? Atelier. It is Atelier. According to Screen Rant, Netflix didn't heavily market Atelier, a show surrounding a woman trying to make it in the Japanese fashion industry. No, I'm good. I'm good. So far, these shows, I liked one. That's been it. Nick uh, just texted me. What do you have to say? He said he tried to get here. Mm-hmm. He rode up to every way out of Rogers. Everything was just either closed or backed up forever. He heard that 94 from North Dakota is at a dead stop for over 100 miles. Oh, fun. Oh, Why? Because they closed down 94. Oh, my God, 100 miles. For hours and hours. Can you imagine all those people? Wonderful. Oy. Hebana Spark. This was yet another international show that Netflix seemed to have a hard time selling to a broad audience. As a result, it was canceled after one season. It doesn't even say what it is. It was that bad, apparently. <laughs> apparently it was that horrendous, but, you know, good for you kids. Uh, Longmire, well, it wasn't canceled. They, well, we, we have one episode left to watch. We've held off the last episode. Yeah, the last year hasn't been that great to me. It's not been me. very good, it's true. Yeah. And I love uh, Craig Johnson's writing. I love yep. Longmire, but yep. uh, when a show's coming to an end, you can tell. Yeah, it, it almost feels like when they change. Well, okay, so it was on what network, and then went over on A and E. A and E. Yeah. And then they kind of they had a, like a hiatus until Netflix picked it up again, yeah. right? It yeah. just feels like when they do that, it the some of the show just loses momentum. Yeah, it does, no doubt. But it was. I, we loved the show when it was on A&E and the first couple of seasons on Netflix. But then it got really weird and all these dream sequences. And it's like, eh, don't do that. Yeah. Greg Johnson's a kinda, good writer. Yeah, kind of got away from the essence as it was <laughs> of the show, if you, if you get my drift. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. They're just naming a bunch of shows that weren't canceled. But uh, seriously, Netflix doesn't have... One show now that I care to watch. Nothing. Well, I watched Orange is the New Black. Well, that was good. Yeah, I liked yeah, that. Yeah, I gave up on that after year two, too. I was just like, this is just kind of like being, trying to be shocking. Yeah. I got bored with that, too. Well, see, I liked the first year. Yeah, this season um, is stemming off from the last season because they had like this, um, what do they call it? Like a protest from the all the prisoners. Oh. And so the... That prison that they were in was shut down, and they all got moved to Max. Oh. So now they're in a Mac. different... Yeah, they're in a different prison. Oh. So you got a lot of new characters and stuff. Oh, yeah. So kind of needed that, I think. Yeah, so I, I think this season has been going very well. Yeah, there's only so much lesbian sex that can keep a... A, a show going. I suppose yeah. that's true. That's probably true. It's only yes, so I much. You know, six, seven episodes... And then you probably need to do something else. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you guys know who Bob Lay is? No. no. He's been a commentator on ESPN, ESPN forever. Bob Lay this morning announced a six-month sabbatical from his outside-the-lines hosting duty, citing the need to recharge ESPN's longest-serving commenta- uh, commenter, who joined the company on its third day of broadcast, revealed that he's been considering such a break for a while and that the decision is 100% his own. Lay will return April 1st. Jeremy Shop. 
Uh, Kate Fagan and Ryan Smith will assume his OTL duties just a few weeks ago. Lay was a subject of a ringer profile. What is that? What's a ringer profile? These are good questions. I do not know. Painting him as the most important on-air talent at ESPN, the person most capable of serving as a compass for the company in today's political climate. It's tough to argue that conclusion. The, that mantle falls to someone else for the next half year. He just said he needs to take some time off. I would guess uh, there's somebody on the show that he's not getting along with, and they'll be gone before he comes back. That's just a guess on my part. Mm. I don't know that Sounds to be the reasonable. Case. Yeah, he's not just walking away for no reason. Somebody's pissing him off. I don't know what the deal is, but I could use a hiatus myself. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true at all. It's uh, oh It kind of feels like this time of year with the kids going, you know, kids are already in school in other states. Cassie, mm-hmm. when do your kids start? Yeah, all, all the kids start, I believe, on the 4th of September. It's the day after Labor Day. So they go to school for a couple of days, and then they have the weekend. No, they're not. They don't go any. Yeah, so they'll go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then it's the weekend. So they only have Monday. It's oh, like okay. one day. I know we've had it where they don't start school like the Wednesday after Labor Day, so they go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's yeah. Like, we might as well just wait till the following week. I know. I think those are supposed to be the snow day makeup days or something. Yeah, I mean, because they have to be in school x amount of days for the school year and last school year the kids had quite a bit of snow days because we had some yeah major snowfalls so they have to make it up somehow i guess are they starting to get all weird uh i remember kind of it's real it's a chore to get them back in the sleeping routine that is probably the hardest thing because they want to still stay up and sleep and it's still light until nine yeah yeah, I just tell them, get in bed, just chill out in bed at about 9, and then everything is off at by 10. We will be right back, Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get because you're a customer of North American Banking Company. It's called XCheck. All right, Michael, my friend, how do you get it? What's the situation? Do I need it? Why is it cool? All that stuff. It's an application that we designed to compete with the national applications out there for person-to-person payments. You can get it at the Apple Store or the Android Store. It's for payments that you want to make when you don't have cash. If you want to pay the kid who shovels your driveway, if you want to settle up a dinner check, if you want to settle up a bet on the golf course, when you don't have cash, you can use the app. The payment will settle directly into the payee's account literally the same day. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker and X-Check? I'm going to get it today. North American Banking Company, celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get because you're a customer of North American Banking Company. It's called X-Check. All right, Michael, my friend, how do you get it? What's the situation? Do I need it? Why is it cool? All that stuff. It's an application that we designed to compete with the national applications out there for person-to-person payments. You can get it at the Apple Store 
or the Android store. It's for payments that you want to make when you don't have cash. If you want to pay the kid who shovels your driveway, if you want to settle up a dinner check, if you want to settle up a bet on the golf course, when you don't have cash, you can use the app. The payment will settle directly into the payee's account literally the same day. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker? An X-Check? I'm going to get it today. North American Banking Company. Celebrating 20 years of providing a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, Attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Would you move into Ireland or what are you doing? Yeah. It's Rhythm of My Heart by Rod Stewart. I gotta have something. I'm not getting the concert tonight. Laurie, how are you today? (laughs) I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Wonderful. You pronounce your last name Holman or Holman? Holman. It is Holman. Okay, I wanted to make sure I try to call people by their correct names. Dr. Laurie Holman. Um, By coincidence... We both have written a couple of books. There's just uh, a couple of words change. So the beginning is The Busy Parent's Guide to Managing, and then yours would be Anxiety in Children and Teens and Anger in Children and Teens. Mine are Anxiety Caused by Children and Teens (laughs) and Anger Caused by Children and Teens. That's the only difference, though, Laurie. Oh, okay, but we'll have to see what the difference means. (laughs) I guess so. The Busy Parent's Guide to Managing. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. If, if yours is anxiety caused by children, then do you mean anxiety in the parents? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. No. That's the difference. You're talking about anxiety in the parents, and I'm talking about anxiety in the kids. I know. But they're both important, and they're not a good match together. No, I, I, bet, yeah, I bet they're not. I absolutely bet they're not. So Go uh, together. Uh, the Busy Parents Guide to Managing Anxiety in Children and Teens, what... Is there a number one cause of anxiety in children and teens? No. That's I would definitely many say not. Okay. There are really all different kinds of um, social situations and personal situations that cause anxiety. And there are various anxiety disorders, like um, generalized anxiety where the child is kind of anxious all the time. It's sort of a free-floating anxiety. It can be attached to almost anything that triggers it. Um, There's the obsessive compulsive disorder, which is a very powerful, difficult disorder. Um, And there's separation anxiety and social anxiety. So there's a lot of different kinds of anxiety. No doubt about it. Is is there, for me, I began to feel anxious 
when I was mm-hmm. seven years old, and it was caused by something, and I've been riddled with anxiety ever since. So I'm a little older than seven years old now, but I, I do remember seven years old is the first time I felt anxiety, and I hated it. And you, did you know what it was? No. I Very quickly, without getting into a long story about it, my father was schizophrenic, and he... I. I, in the middle of the night, I went down to go to the bathroom, and he was sitting in the dark talking. Uh-huh. So I just kind of opened the refrigerator door and kind of lit the room up, and my father was talking to somebody who wasn't there. And the problem oh, okay. I had from that time on is I thought there was something wrong with me because I couldn't see who he was talking to. Oh, of course. So, of course. That's terrible. exactly what children do is they look to themselves yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. And- and blame themselves and say, what did I do wrong or what, what did I cause? Yeah, that is... So that was a pretty powerful experience for you. Did you, did you Dr. Holman, did you uh, have anxiety as a child or a teen? Um, I would say I had social anxiety as a teenager. Yeah. Is that just part of the plan that all teenagers have social anxiety? Because yeah. it's pretty. Yes, I, I would yeah. say so. So it's it, it's really common, especially starting in middle school when you go to a new school and you meet kids that you didn't know before and you feel unfamiliar with the geography of the place and the teachers. Um, you want to feel like you fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to feel included. Some kids more than others, though. Some are, you know, some kids are pretty self-confident and don't mind having one or two friends. Other kids feel like they need a circle of friends to make them feel like they're really part of things. So it depends a lot on the kids. Yeah, I could see that. By coincidence, this morning I interviewed a woman named Wendy Mayberry, and when she was in 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, she's in military family, so they moved all the time. She went to four different high schools and that's why she became a comedian, because she felt she had to make people laugh to like her. Ah, well, actually, that's called the sublimation. She turned it into something productive. Yeah, yeah. I and just, it apparently helped her. I cannot believe the pressure that th- that would be on a kid to go to four different high schools. God, that's a lot of yeah, pressure. Yeah, that's tremendous. We moved my, I have two sons, and we moved them in high school to a new school because we didn't feel the school they were in was really benefiting them enough. Mm-hmm. And it was hard because all the things you're not supposed to do, we did. I had to move my practice. My husband was starting a new job. Oh, okay. And they were going into 8th and 10th grade. So it was, it was, it was difficult, but we did it as a group. You know, we, we re- re- all recognized together that this was going to be hard for us. For me, it was hard because I had to travel back to my old office before my new office was built, and I really wanted to be home with my kids. But, you know, it, it, somehow it, they managed to weather it, and I think it has helped them in life because now they know they can tolerate change. Yeah, I think that's, that, that is true. I like this paragraph. Anxiety in children and teens is on the rise. More than 1 in 20 children in the U.S. experience serious anxiety. Is that because of social media? Yeah. My, is that true? Is that social media have something to do with that? Well, I think it has something to do with it, depending on how the parents um, involve their kids in social media and in television news broadcasts. You know, with mm. all the violence in the schools yep. lately, I think kids should not be watching this on television. I agree. Because 
not as predominant as it appears in the news. So every school is not in danger. Right. And if you watch the news, you get a feeling like you should be afraid to go to school. And that's not true. Yeah, you would hope that it's not true. No question about that. Does anxiety, many times serious anxiety, turn into anger? Well, yes. Yeah, sometimes it conceals it. One can conceal the other. In other mm -hmm. words, a child can come home very angry about something, but underneath is the anxiety about whatever the anger was focused on. And the reverse can be true. So they kind of go hand in hand. They're the two big emotions that kids feel. That's why I wrote these two books together, because they're, they're kind of a series. They both talk about yeah. parental intelligence, uh, but they, the examples focus on anxiety or focus on anger. But certainly they can come together. So when you have an anxious parent in the house, yes, it's most likely going to result in your children feeling more anxiety, I would guess. Yes, in, yes, unless the parent knows how to use that anxiety. In other words, a parent who's anxious understands anxiety. They know what it feels like. They know what it feels like for their chest to be pounding, for them to have palpitations or a panic attack. So if they see it in their child, they, un they understand it a little better than a parent who never experiences anxiety. You know, so there's a plus and a minus. The trick is for the anxious parent to be able to contain their anxiety mm -hmm. when they're dealing with their anxious child. Mm -hmm. And that has to do with the, the steps of parental intelligence that teach you how to do that. Yeah, I find it interesting. As I, the reason I asked you that question, because my anxiety set in at seven, and then at 19 years old, it really got bad. Yeah. Uh, because what I experienced that was it just struck me one night while I was down in my mother's basement at 19 years old. I, I literally, it struck me that I couldn't count on anybody else, that if I was going to do anything in my life, I had to do it by myself. And it caused me a great deal of anxiety. Sure, that's a great awakening. Different kids have it at different ages. Mm -hmm. They suddenly feel alone and yep. in charge of themselves. It's really a, a, a maturation to have this realization, but it's very scary. It is very scary, absolutely. And, and that did create a lot of anger, which I've carried uh -huh. on to this day, Dr. Holman, I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, do you think, there's a situation, and I talk to my wife about this all the time, that was my wife, Catherine, that was just talking to you about that. And I think she's talking about the parent with anxiety would be me. <laughs> I think that's okay. Who, okay. I think that's well, what she's Well, it is about. interesting because my observations over the years, I mean, Tom's entire family, I would pretty much say, has an elevated yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anxiety level. Absolutely. And I don't believe that I was an anxious person, but after being around Tom uh -huh. and, and, like, you know, traveling produces anxiety social situations produce anxiety pretty much anything <laughs> i mean so i'm finding myself now when we're going to go do something i'm mm -hmm. i'm becoming like oh what's what's going to be the you know what are going to be the problems is there anything that i can try to preempt yeah, la, la. so i i start you know like getting like uh i don't even i don't maybe it is anxiety anxious um you're describing is anticipatory anxiety. Oh. You're anticipating what could happen. Okay. And trying to prepare yourself for it, which is a good thing. Oh. Yeah, I could see that to be a good thing. 
Um, nobody's ever been actually able to answer this for me, and I don't want, I don't mean to make this all about me, but it's my understanding of what anxiety and anger is. I have a situation because I suppose it might have been mentioned to me as a child once in a while that my father was quote unquote crazy. So that didn't yeah. help. But I have a thing to this day. If I know someone, well, not, if you're a member of my family, that's a whole nother level. But if I know someone and somebody else either threatens them or humiliates them, I get crazily angry. I mean, way over the top anger. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's a protection so, thing. Do you think that it has to do with how people reacted to your death? Yeah, I think so. I think yeah. that is true. I, I just, it, it drives me crazy. I hate it when people humiliate one another. I don't like that at all. That's pretty yeah. normal, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's really hard having a, a schizophrenic dad. And yet, on the other hand, it, what can I say? It makes you very empathic. Um, yeah, it does. Did you see the movie, The Beautiful Mind? Oh, yes, absolutely. I, I was a, a beautiful movie because mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. really demonstrated something that is very rare to see performed, which is when he has his second episode after he's been out of the hospital for a while, mm-hmm. and um, the doctor says he needs to go back in the hospital. And he says, no, I have to handle this basically himself. And the doctor says, you can't because it's your mind, and you can't use your mind mm-hmm. to solve the problem of your mind. But he is very um, dogmatic about the fact that he's going to try to do that. And he, I, I think it's a close-to-real-life story that, or maybe it is a real-life story, actually. It is, yeah. Not, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that he does do that. And it's very touching. And if you're, and we see his, he had a son. So the son learns how his mother copes with her his father, and this is a very courageous man. I'm always inspired when I watch that movie. I like to watch it more than once, actually. Oh, it's a great movie. It's it's one, and it. My father was a brilliant man, like then. Maybe not that brilliant, but oh. my father's a very very smart man. So that has something to do with it. Um, on the other side of this, Doctor Holman, we have friends that have a child. He's a young boy. He's eight years old. Okay. And he's one of the most mature people I know. What? How does that happen? Well, I don't know. You'd have to tell me something about his family. Uh, but eight years old is a kind of a good age because at eight you start to become more industrious. You're focused on school and your friends, and you're separating from your parents emotionally somewhat. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a good age to be mature. <laughs> you know. Yeah, you, yes. Developmentally, um, it's a good. It's a stage when, if there's going to be maturity, you're going to see it. Yeah, well, you do see it. There, it. It's very, very impressive. Actually, we're talking to Dr. Lori Holman about her two books: "The Busy Parent's Guide to Managing Anxiety in Children and Teens: The Parental Intelligence Way," and "The Busy Parent's Guide to Managing Anger in Children and Teens: The Parental Intelligence Way." Uh, are there a couple of bullet points on each? Do you want to ask a question? Oh, I do. I yeah. want to ask a question about um, school. Um, sure. Because you, you were talking about that, you know, there can be anxiety related with school and all that. It doesn't seem like teachers are very helpful sometimes. It, it, is it because they don't understand anxiety or they just don't have time for it? Or 
Well, they're anxious themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think that right now the big topic is back-to-school anxiety because we're getting near the end of August. I seem to be writing articles about it all the time. People are asking me. Um, the teachers are anxious about their new class. How are they going to remember everybody's name right away? Do they have, is it an integrated class with kids with disabilities? Is it just a straightforward class? So there are so many, are they working with another teacher? Will they get along with that teacher? These are all some of the anxieties that teachers have. I've had a lot of teachers as patients, so I see this happening. And so if they see an anxious child, depending on how empathic and self-confident they are, they may see that as a disruption, which is terrible. Yeah. Really. They, you know, it's their job to be the adult and to be able to tolerate the feelings. In fact, for parents and teachers, it's very important that kids feel that when they're very anxious or they're very angry, that they're not too powerful and they scare the adult. Mm. The adult has to act as if, and hopefully is, they can tolerate and endure the big emotion of the child. And that's what we want teachers to do. Absolutely. Not be scared by the anxious child but embrace them, you know, try to, I don't mean physically, but I mean try to understand what's behind this anxiety, what's the meaning behind the anxiety. That's what parental intelligence is all about. I like it. Your books are available everywhere, I assume. Yes, yes. Excellent. Dr. Holman, thank you so much for your time this morning. Kind of, I learned a lot about myself just talking to you. Great, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm very glad. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. I gotta run. Tom Bernard here to tell you Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand-new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Are you going to play? Oh, you're not playing Rod Stewart music anymore? No, since we just talked about anger and anxiety, I figured we could throw some Beastie Boys in the mix. You guys have never seen me with anxiety or anger, have you? I'd like to hear that because I don't know much about those. No, no, not you at all. I, I was walking down the hall here at the podcast on the West End. And I see these two handsome guys coming my way, and I'm going, what? They cut a fine figure. <laughs> yeah. And then you saw Bob and I. And then I saw Mike and Bob. <laughs> the other guys moved. That's exactly That'd right. That would be Bob and me. See, I've been away a while. Whatever. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever okay. works. Mike Elfand, of course, uh, started on the KQ Morning Show about 33 years ago, or 32 years ago oh at least. God, so I've, so I've forgotten, years. but well, well, it must have been. It must have been. Uh, was it 85 or no? 86, right? 86. Yeah, yeah. 86. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. 30, 32, almost 33 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. 
Mike Gale fan. Bob, you started 88. 88. Yep. And so. the funny thing is, uh, back then, uh, I was like a year older than you. And now I'm like seven years older than you. <laughs> oh, really? I don't know how that happened. <laughs> you figured that's the, yeah, it's going to be a problem. But one of my fondest memories of Mike Gale fan and I still say to this day that you've said the funniest thing on the on the KQ Morning Show in its history, and nobody's beaten it in 33 years. What's wrong, Mike? Uh, I got it. It's just sad. My 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 wife and I only agree on one thing. We both hate me, <laughs> which to this day is still the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Boy, she hated that too. Oh, I bet. Well, you know how it is. <laughs> You know, when 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 you say something that's both funny and true, you can get in a lot of trouble with that. It's like noticed, it's like if yes. you're arguing with your spouse about something, mm-hmm. you have to make really sure you're wrong. I like that because you'll never stop paying the dues for it. Yeah, Catherine. What do you think what are you about saying? that? You're always wrong. That's all I'm. Ah. <laughs> that's what I thought you were saying. Uh, be, knowing Mike Gelfand is like, and I met him because he interviewed me for Advertising Age yeah. Magazine many, many. Uh, that had to be thirty-five years ago or something, or maybe longer than that. Yeah, you, Did were, you say you AIDS were, Magazine. Yes, AIDS Magazine. Somehow, they had a lot of subscribers at the time. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I don't know what happened. No, you were, and and of course you were the hottest voiceover guy in town, but you were also uh, working as a record promoter. Yes, and I found out that as a record promoter your job was to drive around Lake Calhoun and drink a lot of Pepsis. <laughs> That's pretty much true. Yeah. Something twist. Something, something Pepsi twist. Pepsi it was Pepsi twist. twist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pepsi was. twist. Yeah. I remember that. Back, back seat of his car was filled with empty yes. Pepsi yes. twist cans. That had to be something that would make him <laughs> rattling <laughs> around. That so had to make him very attractive. It's like, why? What's wrong with you? So this year... Oh, Pepsi <laughs> twist is back for a limited time in Canada. In Canada, oh, so sorry, too honey. bad. What are you gonna <laughs> well, do? we're pretty close. Not good for bone density anyway, so you know, it'll all work out. But uh, you know, we've been talking on the KQ Morning Show about uh, the city of Golden Valley, which is a city of license for KQRS. They're, they've named September 25th, of course, that's 925, 92.5, as KQRS Day in really? Golden Valley. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is very Shep Harris, really great guy, the mayor. So we've been reaching out to people, you know, like Tony Lee, we've talked to, yeah. and we're, we're trying to tee everybody up. Uh, and <laughs> Mike, being the pain in the ass he's always been, I said, well, what time do you want to come in? And he goes, well, I get up at 10. I said, well, the show's over <laughs> at 9.55. That's going to be kind of hard. So what we're going to do is tee up uh, uh, an hour where you will be, Bob's going to come in and you'll be the guest on this show. Oh, that's, that's nice, yeah. And then we can play it back on the morning. I mean, I, I could come in, but it's just. You're not going to come in. You'd be too crabby. To. I am Mike crabby? crabby? <laughs> I know, it'd be hard to hey, believe. Hey, I've changed. I'm not like that anymore. You're not? You don't get crabby anymore? No, I'm. We had some. I'm I, mellow. The look on your face, because we used to live. Uh, uh, in Minnetonka when I first met you. And the look on Mike's face when he came over, we were watching a Twins watched game, the Twins. and I would bobble their heads to try to bring them luck, the little bobble heads. Yeah. And he kept changing their position I would change their until position. something worked. I thought I was Italian for a while. Yeah. That was a problem. Yeah. That was a suspicious... Yeah, you would threaten them. Superstitious. Yeah. I would threaten them. That's, yeah. a, that's very true. No, it's it absolutely true. But what's interesting now, running into Mike, because Bob's podcast is right down the hall. Bob is the reason we're in this building, as a matter of fact. He recommended it, and we love it. So I saw Mike for the first time getting out of the elevator last week, and, and now I just ran into him again. So whatever you guys decide you want to do that first uh, segment, 
of of this show that we'll play back on the morning show. You name it, and we'll, well get it. Well, if it works for you next Wednesday, we could do it then. Sure, fine. Yeah, we could do that. What's that look? What's next Wednesday? Yeah, we could do that. You yeah, next that. Wednesday. It's the 22nd. <laughs> right. Well, I used to do the podcast on Wednesdays, but I'm not sure that's going to be continuing. That... Uh, that uh, yeah. was somewhat surprising, so. but despite your efforts, Teapot didn't make it. I don't really understand why that happened. Hasn't Johnson been beaten twice? I, I, to me, the word, the two words come to mind: lightweight and milk toast. Yeah, I guess. Well, look at how many it. times Nixon lost. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> and that all worked out in the end. Well, who, the who's the Minnesotan who lost like four times in presidential elections? Oh, uh, Harold Stassen. Yes, he's oh, the Harold God. Stassen of gubernatorial candidates. <laughs> Mike, you probably don't know this because you don't get up in time to listen to the morning show. <laughs> I don't. But I have moved pretty much to a solid centrist position. I, I just Here's what bothers me, and maybe I'd, I'd like to get your take on this. Mike Gelfand, our special guest today, Bob Sansevier came in as well. Um all of a sudden, it struck me. I was watching a show on, I believe it was on CNN, called The 90s, quote, uh, question mark, The Last Great Decade. Right? That that was the name of the show. <laughs> that's, a, that's a kind of a shaky foundation. <laughs> it really kind of is. But they were showing different people back then. And, of course, back then, Bill Clinton was president. Al Gore was vice president. And showed them doing some work, I believe, with Habitat for Humanity, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And it struck me. Those guys are both billionaires now. And then I went, wait a second. So Well, I think Gore always was, wasn't he? Yeah, I would assume in that family, yes, he yeah. probably always was. Bill Clinton was broke, he claimed, when he left the White House. But now he's worth $5 billion. And um, just think, when Trump leaves the White House, we'll all be broke. We'll all be broke, Partly exactly. broken. In 10 minutes. It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable how bad. Do you, you have to leave? I, uh, I have somebody I'm meeting at... One. So Can you stay eight more minutes, Mike, or do you got to go? Me? I'm, where do I have That's to go? Excellent. We have eight more minutes to say. You know, where do I you have know, to go? Always got something going I only on. have a couple of doctor's appointments today, so I'm fine. <laughs> One of the things that, that I'm very excited to talk to you about is that because we had Donald Trump as, was a billionaire before he became president. Mm-hmm. And then Barack Obama. Well, he said he was. He said he was. Well, we don't really know. You see those buildings he owns, man, they look pretty impressive. I don't know. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Uh, before him, Barack Obama, who's about to become a billionaire. Yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, then you had George W. Bush, who already was a billionaire. Right. Then you had Bill Clinton, who became a billionaire. It bothers me. It's serving. What happened to serving the people, Mike? Yeah, it's it's a good question. It's um, it doesn't work anymore. No, it doesn't. For one thing, no, you're it's right. It's not. It does. It's not going to get you anywhere politically. So it does that's in the one state thing. of Minnesota, if all you, if you say the right, if you have the right party line, it mm-hmm. will get you elected here. Well, I like to think so, yeah. and, uh, but I, I don't. I think it's 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 the shape of politics in the future because yeah. it's it's so much about money. Uh, I think that I think that that was kind of what was surprising about the plenty thing. I didn't think it was that surprising because I think he's he's deeply flawed, and I think a lot of Republicans didn't want to vote for him. Because I think they felt like he was too easy to attack. And when you're voting in a primary, a lot of it is about electability. Yeah, I suppose that's true. You know, yeah. I, like, I voted for Tim Waltz. I don't, as a liberal, I don't, I don't see him as a, really a progressive or anything like that. No, I agree with but that. But I think he's the guy who can win. I would say this. I, I appreciate his 24 years of service. In the, yeah, you know, and, right. And he was a teacher for another 20 teacher. years. I appreciate that. Right. I think... Johnson is unelectable. I don't think he has a chance to win. He's already lost it twice. Well, and then you look at the 
if the primaries mean anything at all, what comes out of it is the enthusiasm gap. Yeah, yeah, well, there you go. So many years ago, and you're the only person I can talk to about this that knows this in any way, shape, or form, but a member of the KQ Morning Show had this brilliant idea that we should turn, turn it to be a much more political show. Mm. And since you tended to lean left, yeah, I was chosen as the guy who was going to lean right, even though I had always... You and I pretty much had agreed on politics. Yeah. But to make the show more interesting, I said, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah. Uh, and they said, oh, yeah, it'll be really great and blah, blah, blah. Because our numbers just kept going up and up and up and up. A 29, 30 share was unbelievable. So I was chosen to be the person to be the conservative Republican, and I played that role. And people hate me to this day for that, which I really but appreciate. But the audience ate it up. Well, I guess did they, they did, but they it ruined did. my Maybe voiceover at the time. career. I think they did. It destroyed my voiceover career. It didn't do much for my life in general. <laughs> no, Who needs all that stress? I know. And right. I and I had a you know, and I've said this before, but it, it was very humbling for me. Yeah. Because I always regarded myself as being uh, as being a shrewd political pundit. What you are. I mean, I you know I studied political science. I was a congressional intern, all that sort of thing. And one day I came to realize that I was really helping to destroy the show. That, and I realized that in we my work, the conclusion I came to is maybe there was a spike early on. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't think that lasted. I think that and the conclusion I came to was people want me to be funny. They don't uh, want 100% my, correct. They don't want my insights. No, and that, that's why I've moved back to where I belonged in the first place, pretty much in the center. We're just entertainers. That's it. And, you know, that's the whole deal. It is you, but it's a much bigger version of you on the radio and, and television and even in writing in newspapers. It is you, but it's a much bigger version of you. Um, I, I got to tell you something I've never told you before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Toward toward the end of my tenure there, and as you know, I I told you I think at least a year before I retired. I mm-hmm. told you when I was going to retire. Yeah, you did. So I knew I wasn't going to be there much longer. Right. And and um and there was still this tinge of politics there. Yeah. And um it was kind of like a, a you know a vestigial thing. You know, it just kind of hung over the show a little bit. It did, yeah. And. I would when I when I was driving into the station, when I passed Santana's where they sold you know Eros. It used to be positively forestry. It's right, positively yeah. forestry, yep. right? Right, right. Bob Dylan, and it was like a head shop then, and then it became a place where they sold falafels. <laughs> exactly. So when I when I exactly when I passed Santana's and University Avenue, I queued up. The Buddy Miller version of A Showman's Life. Remember A Showman's sure, Life? Yep. The Jesse Winchester yep. song. And when I got to the park, as I rolled into the parking lot, it never failed. A Showman's Life was fading out. And that's what I used every day to get me psyched up for doing the show yeah, and to remind me yeah. of that on a very poor, low level. Yeah, yeah that's, that was my job. And yeah. it always put me in the right frame of mind to be on the show. Yeah, it was a, it was it was a very hard show to do for a while. It was very tough. Yeah, it was a very very. And tough as show I say, it was for me at least. I can't speak for anyone else. It was humbling. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. I. Um, when were you off? When did you retire from the show? Was it been? It was. How it many was years? in. Uh, let's see. So it would have been uh, November or December of two thousand and eleven. Does that sound right? 
That's about right. Yeah, yeah. it's been about seven years. Yeah, because yeah. I was planning to stick around till May. And then uh, uh, one day I got really sick, and uh, it was a life or death situation. And I called in, and I talked to um, – um, what did I talk to on the phone? Uh, uh, Bill. I talked to Bill on the phone. Oh, yeah, Bill. Yeah, and I said, I said, I won't be coming in. I was on my way to the hospital. Uh, and uh, he said, oh, so uh, you, you mean you're not going to be in all day? And I said, no, I'm never coming in again. Because <laughs> I knew I might not even live through this. No, stuff. I know. And everything was fine. It worked out fine, except that I still can't get the, the 15 pounds back. But no. Well, so, other than that. So it was all according to schedule, pretty much. And um, and you know what? The, I, the only thing I miss about the show is being on the show. No, I can see but that. I don't miss anything else. No, and, it, and what Mike's talking about, he's right on the on the money with this. To be the most successful morning show in America, and it was and continues to be very popular on the rest of it. Yeah. But back when we had a 29, 30 share, those numbers were unheard of. That's yeah. true. Everybody listened to the show, and for Mike and Dave Hamilton and me, it created tremendous pressure on us because I remember this yeah. is a true story, Mike, and I've, yeah. I, I think I've mentioned this one other time. When we got that thirty share in the morning, twenty five fifty four, we got a thirty share. I went home and we were we were living in uh, Maple Grove at the time, mm. and I went home and I sat in the corner and started crying. And <laughs> I literally was. Weeping. I can understand that. I was weeping. And Where do you go said, from there? Yeah, well, and, that's exactly and, and what it was. And how did you get there? Yep, because I, I don't know. I You're still right. don't well, know. Right. It just day. happened. I I, I came into it's the studio wonderful. one day and I figured, ah, you know, maybe 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 this will last and I'll do this for a year or something. Yeah. I, 20, no, I know. It's insane. I knew nothing about radio. I didn't even know what you guys were doing. No. <laughs> But I knew you'd be great on the radio. Well, that's the genius of it. No, I'm telling you, honestly, God. Can you stay one more segment? Can you stay for 50 more minutes? You gotta I, I, go. I'm fine, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back and start hour two, and I can get you out of here about 25 after one. That's all right? Sure. Mike Gelfand, our very special guest. We're going to talk more about what it was and KQRS. Uh, it's been, like I said, 33 years now, but I don't think people understand why certain things happen, and we'll talk about that right after this Tom Bernard Show.